It's time for Supply Chain Now. Broadcasting live from the supply chain capital of the country, Atlanta, Georgia. Heard around the world, Supply Chain Now spotlights the best in all things supply chain. The people, the technologies, the best practices, and the critical issues of the day. And now, here are your hosts. Hey, good morning, Scott Luton, Adrian Pertil, and Enrique Alvarez with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. We have a wonderful conversation teed up. Adrian, Enrique, good afternoon. Afternoon, Scott. Great to see you again. Uh, looking forward to this uh, to this show as usual. Thank you. We are too. Enrique, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having us. This is a this is our favorite show as well, and uh, and we have an amazing, well, two amazing guests. So it'll be fun. Well, and you've already earned a new moniker, which we won't we won't reveal. <laughs> we'll save that to later Go in the ahead, conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had a great time on this series. This is a really special series for our Supply Chain Now team and, of course, Vector Global Logistics. So it's all about logistics with purpose, right? We're featuring folks and leaders and organizations that are all changing the world in some way, shape, or form. And, and uh, we're very pleased to partner with Vector to make this, uh, this series happen. Hey, quick programming note. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to find find us wherever you get your podcast from. You can search for Supply Chain Now, subscribe for free, money back guarantee on any content. But you know, check out other similar conversations that you don't want to miss, just like this one here today. So, with no further ado, Enrique, Adrian, you ready to introduce our guests here today? I'm ready. Let's yeah, go. Let's for do it. it. Got a great conversation teed up. Let's welcome in Tracy Ahomi, Executive Vice President and Co-Founder of Samaritans. Feet. How you doing, Tracy? I am doing great. Thank you guys for having me this wonderful Friday afternoon. We're excited to uh, learn a lot more about you and your journey and, of course, the story over at Samaritan's Feet. And you've got a colleague that joined you, uh, Angela Carlson, Executive Director of Finance and General Manager, also with Samaritan's Feet. Angela, how you doing? I am doing well. I uh, really appreciate you guys having us on today. And, you know, this is now going to be mine and Tracy's very, very favorite podcast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Man, right terrible. out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate that. You know, your ears may have been burning now for several weeks as we've We've teed this up and lo- really looking forward to learning a lot, lot more about your story. And by the way, Angela, for folks that may be listening or are watching this interview via video, we've already talked about your beautiful artwork just over your shoulder. So love that. That, that kind of lights up our interview room a little bit, doesn't it? Sure does. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not a, that's a magnolia blossom, which I should know, having, having grown up in, in Aiken, South Carolina, magnolias on every corner. And it looks like also across your other shoulder, is that from Augusta National? I was going to ask that as well, but it looks like a little too much water. Are we right? Yeah, it's a little It's a little too much water. Um, it's actually a, uh, a bridge in France. Okay. okay. Yeah. Awesome. International appeal just over your shoulders. I love that, Angela. <laughs> All right. So let's see here. We're going to get started. We're going to get to know you both of y'all a little bit better uh, before we dive into Samaritan's feet. So let's start with you, Tracy. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your journey to get to you know where you are here today. Yeah, I would love to. So on the personal side, I am a, a wife, a mom, global citizen. My husband and I are co-founders of Samaritan's Feet. We have four children, ages 27 down to 18, three girls. And in true African style, our last child is a boy. So you got to get that boy in there and in the African culture. So he's here. Surprise, surprise. Um, right. So 27 down to 18 keeps us very busy. On the professional side, um, we have 
started Samaritan's Feet back in 2003 with the goal of providing 10 million shoes, pairs of shoes to 10 million individuals in the next 10 years. That was our big, hairy, audacious goal when we started. My husband is originally from Nigeria, and that's kind of the catalyst for what what propelled us into besides, you know, servants of what we're called to do for Samaritan's Feet. So we're in our 18th year now, believe it or not. Um, and logistically speaking, we started in our garage. So that gives you a little bit of, of where we're at to where our warehouse space wow. is now. As Angela can attest to, we we seem to bust out of the seams from our warehouse to to where we need to get to. And, and you know, that is exciting. Truck loads can be exciting and challenging as well. So logistics with purpose is definitely something that's always on our forefront of our mind. Awesome. So 10, 10, 10. I love that. So a little birdie told me that you've got a great story in terms of how you met your husband, Manny. Oh my gosh. Uh, Anything you can share there? (laughs) Well, since I'm way past, you know, that, that age range to be able to remember everything, I get to tell my version of it. Whether it's full truth or not, you don't have the other side of the story. So you'll have to take me at, at what it is. But um, as I mentioned, my husband was originally from Nigeria. So if you guys remember back in the day, Hakeem Olajuwon was a big basketball player for Houston. Yeah. My husband had some of the same coaching staff. So in that time, we didn't have Zoom and Teams and all this great way to market. So my husband sent in five uh, opportunities via coaches for playing basketball here in the U.S. The offers were five scholarship offers from University of, I'm not going to tell you where I'm from yet, to um, the University of uh, Oklahoma Christian, et cetera, et cetera. These great offers. So all five of them came in. His visa did not. So not until his visa got approved did he end up picking, he said, I'll pick the the brochure with the best looking uh marketing materials in front of it. And he ended up picking the University of North Dakota at Lake Region. And that's where we met. I'm originally from the Midwest, about an hour and a half from Winnipeg. So that tells you how far north I live or lived and grew up. I will say, I wish I had some of your guys' accents because they're much better than the little bit that I (laughs) still have left. (laughs) But basically when he came to the U.S. and to the school, it was in my hometown of about 3,000 people. And so he was a year ahead of me. We had a lot of the same friends, a lot of the same sporting activities. And so we met in college. We had an event called Snow Days where you had a king and a queen. He was the king the previous year. We had started dating in that year and they come back and crown the queen. I was the queen for for student senate and student government as Emmanuel was the king. So the time we were dating, he came back and crowned his queen. And since then, guess what? That's what I've been. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And Angela can't say anything else. So there we go. Enrique and Adrian. You ought to tell us that we're in in the midst of royalty. So shame on y'all. Exactly. I didn't know. That's a great story. It really is a great story. And then, of course, secondly, Akeem Olajuwon, NBA Hall of Famer. I mean, he was uh, huge on the scene. That's right. And and the Rockets won. I want to say they won back-to-back titles, if my memory serves me right back in the 90s. So Wasn't basketball great then? Man, I love basketball. Yeah. Hey, we're we're hoping the Hawks, the Atlanta (laughs) Hawks, are are trying hard (laughs) to get back. Uh, But but Tracy, thanks so much. Same with the Charlotte Hornets. We, we We can only dream. Hey, remember back to good old days, Alonzo Mourning and Larry yes. Larry Johnson, right? Yep. 
Dell Curry was yes. a three three pointer specialist for Hornets back in the day. Yep. Of course, his son is lighting up the scene out in Golden State. So that's when I knew basketball the best back in the nineties. To your point, Tracy. Yes. So we'll see. The golden age maybe may come back. But thanks so much for <laughs> walking us through good, your background. <laughs> it's all I got. It's all I got. <laughs> all right. So Angela, same question to you. Tell us a little about yourself and 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 same thing. Your journey kind of to where you are here now. Okay. Just wanted to. Uh, do an add-on to Tracy's story. One of my favorite parts of she and Manny's story is, you know, when Manny, you know, talks about his whole trajectory and coming to you know, America, he talks about that's one of, you know, God's, uh, you know, funny jokes in his life is taking a, a boy from Nigeria and putting him in, in North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, Tracy and I, our personal lives, you know, very similar. Um, I have four children as well, um, 18 to 28 have been um, newly married for a year and have gone back and forth between the corporate and the nonprofit arena um, and landed at Samaritan's Feet two years ago. Um, and it's been a fantastic experience. Um, it's just a, it's a really, really great, great company, great mission. Yeah. And ambitious. I love the, uh, Tracy, I think you said the BHAG big, hairy, audacious goals. I think that stemmed from what was the popular business book series? Uh, uh, Stephen Kobe. Last. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. yeah. So I love that. And clearly you are making some headway on big goals to serve a ton of people across the world. So Angela, when, when did you and Tracy meet? You've been with the organization now two years. Where did y'all meet? Well, we met during my interview. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. The rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, the God connections, and sometimes you forget those those connection points as they're woven together. But unique thing with Angela is one of our colleagues and, and obviously mutual friends has just said, hey, there's an opportunity for this lady. Do you want to interview her? And and the rest is history. And she's she's here to stay with us, we like to say, within our SF family and volunteers. Once you, once you drink the Kool-Aid a little bit, <laughs> you kind of become, we're not the mafia, but it's hard to get out once you're in. And not because we don't let you, because you don't want to. So it's oh, that awesome. that speaks a little bit to just the the nature of the team that we have and the love that that they show they show to everybody that comes in contact. Awesome, Tracy. Talking about uh, connections quickly, I, I first learned about Samaritan's Feet through my uh, son-in-law Brian Davis. Oh, from Truist, he he forwarded the uh, the gala event to me last year and I, I enjoyed watching that on the Saturday night. It was wonderful. So that was my you? introduction to you. Oh my <laughs> gosh. You just yeah. made my heart so much happier. And I love you even more because we love Brian. Yeah, he's he's wonderful. We 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 love him. He's he's the most incredible husband to our, yes. our daughter and, and son-in-law. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and I that's love awesome. your daughter. So that just makes me even yeah, that that's we can we can be done now. That was great. That's all I needed. <laughs> well, you know, blessed be the ties that bind. The world's yes. a much smaller place exactly. once you start peeling the layers back. One final question I want to turn over to Enrique. Sounds like uh Tracy, given Angela's background especially corporate and other nonprofits. Y'all have gotten quite a, a great get for the team there at, at SF, as you put it, Samaritan's Feet. Yes, definitely. And I think, um, you know, Scott, it talks a little bit about our leadership team in general, not just myself and my husband, but we are huge proponents of making sure we have smart, if not smarter people around us. And, and we certainly do. And we have people that have the heart, which you can't teach, and have the expertise to be able to help us carry forward the vision. We started out with that big BHAG, but we really see ourselves as becoming the entity that can help 
count to zero. So we want zero shoeless children in the world. And how do you collaborate and partner with other organizations with like-minded citizens that can help you accomplish it so that someday we will see that there is a, a world with zero shoeless children and not just children, but individuals, but obviously children resonates with all of us, especially women when we are centered on how do we affect our community for the change that we need to see and the difference that we want made. Well said. Very well said. All right. So Enrique, where are we going next? Yes. No, Angela, I want to start with you because you mentioned that um, you mentioned that you've had like corporate experience and then you went to the non-for-profit and corporate experience back again. So a couple of times. So how? tell us a little bit more about your professional life and then also a little bit about what kind of maybe a moment in your life that made you make that decision and, and shift from a corporate environment to a non-for-profit environment, which which I'm sure it's very different at many different uh, multiple levels. Yes, definitely. You know, I kind of gone back and forth between the nonprofit and the for-profit arena and actually was not, um, you know, really was not in the process of looking for a job when, when I got a, approached by the mutual friends about Samaritan's Feet. You know, there was a, a longing, you know, within me to get back into the nonprofit arena, but wasn't really sure, you know, whom I wanted to align myself with. And, you know, it's, God definitely had a plan and it's been, it's been really great the last two years, but, you know, I've, I've worked in, you know, the healthcare space, you know, I've worked in banking, uh, you know, I've kind of been all over, all over the board. I've worked in, with churches. And so it's just, uh, you know, being, having the ability to, to serve in your everyday work life is just, it's, it's counting out to, to nothing else for me. It sounds like you have a big passion for giving, giving back and, and, and helping people. Where, where does that come from? Can you kind of trace it back to maybe a moment or a couple of uh, stories from your past that kind of made you the person you are now? I mean, I would say for me, you know, I was, I was raised by, you know, parents who were very giving, you know, of themselves to the people around them, to their community, you know, first and foremost, you know, and just having a, a very full, very enriched, you know, church life has, you know, has kind of fed into that as well, but just really, just really deep connections with people in general. There is so much need out there and there's so much, there's just so much need for just general kindness. And so I, I feel that, you know, most, most of my desires, you know, are fueled from just a, a very strong inclination to really connect with people on a deeper level. Absolutely. And uh, you probably have seen like this um, need through, throughout your career because you've been actually moving from different industries and uh, different positions. And so that's, no, that's definitely something that, uh, that resonates with me and I think with everyone here on this call. Let me just uh, shift gears to Tracy now. And Tracy, what, could you tell us a little more about why, why did you start this? Why, why shoes? Why Samaritan's Feet? With your story and your personal background and, and what you just told us a little about your, the way you met your husband, why, why did you start this? And, and what was yeah. the moment oh. for you that made it <laughs> oh all Oh my gosh. Freak? Yeah, listen, I'm going to give you the condensed version because we could we, we could be on the time. phone. We could be on the phone for the weekend if you want to hear the full story, but I have to give the readers digest version. So, I want it to be, you know, applicable to the time and keep people's attention, but for myself personally, I think one of the things that I have I've from when I was young and growing up in a smaller community, you quickly know the haves from the have-nots, right? And you and you feel that. I grew up in that environment a little bit, grew up with, you know, my mom 
even though doing her best still had to, to take on a lot of the responsibility for our upbringing. And because of that, some of the have not that happens when you're in that, that um, predicament. But I will say this, one of those moments for me was when I was a senior in high school and we had to write a paper, kind of like an exit paper that you do. And so one of the things that we had to write was, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, 18 year old, you have no clue. At least I didn't. Um, And so I just remember writing a really good paper. At least I know I got a good grade on it. I still have that paper actually, because it's probably one of the one of the best grades that I got for my senior year as you have those great senior year moments. But the thing that was asked was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And and how do you plan to do that? And I just remember telling um, and writing in the paper, I want to help people and I want to own my own business. Now, how I got to that, I had no clue. And I would lie <laughs> if I told you that when Emmanuel and I got married, we had this great plan of how we were going to start this organization and wham. Um, I worked in hospitality and tourism a lot. I booked uh, corporate travel for years before we started Samaritan Suite. So we were that kind of uh, conglomerate for a lot of companies from Warehouser to Computer Science Corporation to government entities. So I booked a lot of corporate accounts and loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, we moved to Charlotte and continued doing that as we raised our children. And then I was called to homeschool. So we can talk about that another time and those fun <laughs> those fun benefits of logistically trying to homeschool four kids in lots of different ages. Oh. As logistics applies to every part of our life, doesn't it? But I will say uh, my husband coming from Nigeria when my children were young, our two oldest, his father got really sick and he had to go back to Africa. First time he had been back in 10 years and his father was dying and, and was dying from cirrhosis of the liver. And so that was the first time he had been back in his country, feet on the ground as an adult and his eyes were open. And he was shocked. And he talks about the fact that he couldn't even use the bathroom when he came, when he got there, because they grew up in a small two bedroom house, 15 people, you know, the more the merrier, but not enough space for that many people, and certainly not enough income. And when he got uh, to the park that he grew up in, that was outside of his home called Roe Park, where he grew up playing basketball, and grew up playing sports. He also grew up selling spirits and minerals and beverages because part of his job as the age of nine was to provide water, soft drinks to the athletes that were around that park. And when he was home, all he, all he could see was the fact that, gosh, did I grow up like this? Did I grow up? Because, you know, when you're surrounded by in a forest and every tree looks the same, you don't right. realize that there was great need, but God still provided for his family. So when he was home, he really... I, I would say it was the catalyst for the start. We had we had done a lot of things within our local church, and Angela mentioned that in her in her brief personal life. That's very important to us. We had ministered and done Saturday morning church for kids, feeding the homeless programs, things that were still kept us comfortable in our day to day life. But not until my husband went home and went back to that image of being that nine year old selling drinks and soft drinks to to people in that park and remembering. That when he was nine years old, there was missionaries that came to Africa and they were playing games like vacation Bible school. You know, when you go and you pass out different things to yeah. kids in, in those yep. in those areas and just want to love on and bless people. And so uh, the missionary there was from a, a Midwest town in Wisconsin and was playing a game. And the game, Emmanuel didn't know what it was. He All they've seen was soccer balls. He, he's bouncing around this big orange ball. And he's like, ooh, this looks interesting. You don't have to kick this thing. It's a basketball. <laughs> and so just was playing games in that park, keeping the kids entertained, showing them that they were seen and loved. And so out of that, 
they did a, a shooting competition. And here's where the story gets a little bit, I don't know, I wasn't there, but so they included Emmanuel in this as he was selling, you know, minerals and sodas. They asked him if he wanted to play. And and so he came along, you know, a lot of the kids pushed him aside because again, he was just a street vendor selling selling soft drinks to help his mom, but he got to get in line and play this game. And And the guy, Dave, that was from Wisconsin said, hey, whoever makes the first shot gets a prize. So Emmanuel likes to say his first shot was nothing but net and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> May have been, might not have been. I get to tell the story. I'm sure it so, was. Yeah. <laughs> but because of that, the prize, and, and Dave pulled Emmanuel aside, and I'm shortening this so much because it's such a great story to tell, but I'm going to condense as much as possible. But what had happened that day was Dave pulled Emmanuel aside and said, hey, wait, we have a prize for you. The prize was a pair of shoes. Okay. And so look at Emmanuel, a nine-year-old, and then he goes back 10 years later. So we're in our early twenties. Um, and that imagery is coming back to his, to his mind of, Hey, I remember this was a Eureka moment for him. Right. And so what does that look like? And so, um, David told them, listen, you know, no matter your circumstances, your environment, God has a plan for you. And Emmanuel was so excited about those pair of shoes. First kid in that area, first kid in his little village and community to receive a pair of shoes, let alone a pair of tennis shoes. So if you guys have ever been on a missions trip, and if you haven't, here's the plug to come with us. When everything opens back up, of course, he did not want to wear those pair of shoes because it's like having a Mercedes Benz in that area, right? And and having that opportunity to have a pair of shoes in his community was invaluable. Running home to his mom to show the shoes and just say, mom, look what I've gotten. And a lot of the kids, when you go on those mission trips, still do that same thing. They put those new shoes over their neck, back in their in their hope tote that we give them because they don't want to mess them up. For a lot of them, that's their first good pair of shoes to get them back and forth. And as you know, or, or don't know, shoes in the U.S. Is, is still on the top 10 gifts that kids need for back to school. So it's crazy to think in the U.S. it's it's replenishing and making sure kids have shoes for the school year that fit them properly. Overseas, it's still that, but it's amplified because that's a lot of people's right. main mode of transportation. And that was for Emmanuel. And so long story, hopefully even shorter, when he went, when his father passed away, it was an eye opener. And he came back. He has his degree in logistics and supply chain and economics and, and agriculture. Thought that. Is, is that his, what he was doing at the time? Uh, he actually. When his dad passed away? He worked. He worked for a, a startup IT company here in Charlotte, North Carolina. But his ultimate goal someday was to be able to provide food for people all over the world. And when we were in college, I actually worked for a pioneer seed company, planting corn and other things of that nature. But wow. again, it was, I think, and Angela has talked about it too. I think you either seen that modeled, that kindness and that generosity, whether that be through your family or through your church or through friends, or that's so innate in you because you've come from that environment where if you would have had that person advocate for you or that person want to help you or that, that mentor. And so for Emmanuel, it was always ingrained, just like for myself that I know what it meant when I had a big sister help me. Emmanuel knew what it meant when Dave gave him that pair of shoes. So paying that forward with what you've been, you've been encouraged in and been blessed in to be a blessing back. And so that's always been his eureka moment in the back of his head 
was probably when he went back, wow. you know, when his father passed away and then coming back here working, he had just gotten a job and, and moved, moved us to Charlotte, actually our first big boy and big girl job out of, out of college. Um, mine was still in the Midwest, but my company was also here in Charlotte for Emmanuel. It's, it was one of his mentors and still is that he took his first job out of um, college. And he was actually at a, com- uh, used to be, oh, what did the logistics conference used to be called? CMS or CS? can't remember the term if you guys have been to some of those those logistics software conferences, but he met his potential boss at that conference in San Diego. That connection brought us to Charlotte. And just from there, worked in, in software, went back when he came back from um, Nigeria, still worked for that same software company. And it took us about five years before God said, you're comfortable. You've been doing the same thing. You've been working corporate America, you know, coming from Africa, in any place, I think, and even people in the U.S., you once you feel like you've accomplished your dream and your vision, you want to keep making that American dream happen. And so to be called out into full-time ministry, not knowing who's going to sign your paycheck, it took us a few years to get brave enough to do it and to jump out and not just keep our, our big foot tapped in the water, um, but to really make more of a ripple effect in the lives of people. That's that's incredibly wow. impressive and very inspirational, and it's a great story too. And so, when he came back, did you immediately started collecting some shoes? And you mentioned earlier today that you had like you started in your garage, like we did. Some of these huge uh, IT companies, they all start in their garage. It sounds yeah. like. I, so tell us, what? tell us a little bit more about the garage <laughs> and how because you told the story and 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 it's a, it's very it's very uplifting and inspirational, and it's also incredibly exciting. I mean, I, I kind of feel like someone should listen to you and maybe write a book or, or make a movie out of this because it sounds like <laughs> a like a really great, uh, exciting story. But at what point did you say, okay, well, tell me a little more about the transition, right? When was it that you said, let's do this? Shoes, Africa. Right. Gosh, you know, like I said before, we, we both knew and both had those eureka moments in our life that that we were called to something bigger. I think we all know that. I think we all are, if we're true to ourselves, know that we are born into this world to accomplish a purpose. And that's unique to each one of us individually. And so finding that is the sweet spot of living a, a life, right? That's full and abundant. And so once Emmanuel got back from Nigeria, we just really went back to life as normal. It wasn't until, oh, probably to beginning of, you know, latter part of 2001, 2002, And we started in 2003, where we really started to say, what is it going to take? So we got away. Um, we are ones that, that like to plan and, and set our strategy and our themes for the year. So we went away to Charleston. I remember this. He had been talking to his boss at this, at this time. And again, I said it was a young IT company. So they had some venture capitalists that want a little bit more gray hair in their <laughs> business suites. And so Emmanuel and his boss are still very good friends. And, and Emmanuel started sharing a little bit more about this idea that we had. We didn't even have a name at the point. And we went back and forth on a lot of different names. And so they just continued to share. Emmanuel shared a little bit more of our vision, a little bit more of our vision. And so there was an opportunity where Jay, his boss at the time, said, hey, let's let's get, get away to a game and, and just talk. And he asked Emmanuel a question that kind of started some of this and said, hey, if, if you could do anything, what would you do? You talk a lot about this organization you're thinking about starting. What would it take to start it? And Emmanuel was a little bit, you know, taken back because when your boss starts asking you questions about right. what else why, you want to do. Why are you asking me <laughs> this, right? Is, am I in trouble? <laughs> right. <laughs> you like... you, you kind of start reading between the lines right. of like, right. ah, wonder what they're what they're getting at there. 
And so that was just a, just a brief little, like want to, want to kind of get a gate check of where you're at. Manuel came home and shared that. I said, let's just get away and pray. So we went to Charleston for a weekend, prayed. That was a Friday. We talked about, Hey, what, what is it going to take? We had savings. We tried to, to plan nice. well and plan our life a little bit so that we, we actually can, you know, not live not live without having some preparedness and preparation as we all try for our children were still little so had about a year's worth of savings and Emmanuel said you know what if I could get like another six months if I could get a severance of six months we could probably make this stretch for a couple of years if we pared down everything that wasn't essential came back Sunday Emmanuel went to work on Monday you remember that conversation you had with Jay Jay's in his office. Emmanuel's getting ready to go to lunch and walks by his office and said, Hey, man, come in and, and uh, let's chat for a minute and shut the door. Okay. Well, now you've had this conversation offsite. Now your boss is telling right. you to shut the door. <laughs> this is not feeling good. This is not feeling good at all. And so at the time I had only been working part-time, still booking corporate travel, but, but knew that with two children and a third on the way, our son was born in 2002. We started the ministry in 2003. And so this wasn't the opportune time to step out in faith and not have a paycheck and live on your savings. It, it just wasn't. Well, by lunchtime on Monday, Emmanuel called me and said, hey, I think I just got fired. Jay basically called them in and said, you know what? That dream you've been talking about, what if I can help you? Somebody else, the VCs that, that are coming in, want to bring in their own team and you're one of the positions that we don't need to of. You can go into this department because we still love what you do or, and Emmanuel had obviously worked his way up this, the totem pole. So wasn't really wanting to take a, a lateral or a step down and just said at that time, I guess this is, this is what God's doing is pushing me out. A couple of years before that, even before we went and prayed, I had went to a Joyce Myers conference. And one of the things that she had said was, just giving me some unique words, this lady that was at the conference with me and saying, you know, I see truckloads of shoes being delivered. This was before we hadn't shared our, our vision or wow. our dream with anybody. And this was before Emmanuel's boss said, you're finished. She had pulled, and this was another eureka moment. I gave you a little bit of Emmanuel's. Mine was also this, was going to the Joyce Myers conference, a friend of a friend, kind of like how I got to meet Angela. and so thankful for those friend connections, but had pulled me aside out of the car and said, you know, I know that You've been called to some other things that God's putting on your, your heart and your husband's. You've been putting them in a box. You should not be in the backseat anymore. I see a convoy of trucks taking shoes. Your family has all been called to do this because I had put the request out to our Lord that if we were going to go into and do something in a ministry and that was going to service other individuals around the world, I needed to make sure that my family was still able to serve and be a part. I'm not going to gain the world and lose my family to what God's called us to. And I knew God promised us that. And so one of the unique things, and I still have this bottle of water, is she said, hey, do you mind if I wash your feet? So she washed my feet with the Deer Park bottle of water. And up until when COVID happened, you know, that's one of the things that we do when we distribute shoes to people all over the world is we wash their feet because we want them to know there's a transaction and there's an interaction that happens. And there's a, we see you, we love you, we value you. And as Angela shared, showing forth that love and generosity and kindness in a world that can be very much the opposite and can be very callous and hurried and not allowed to be interrupted. So we have those interactions with people intentionally so that they know, I know your name. I don't want to know a face of, right. of billions right. of children. I want to know names of people. And it's, so, a, it's a powerful message that you're sending, right? And yeah. I'm guessing that's just something that... Uh, everyone clearly is seeing it and experiencing it. And I think uh, you guys yes. have done an amazing job kind of leading the way in, in terms of helping others. And I'm sure that 
at least uh, your children must be incredibly proud of what you guys have done. And, and it's such a such an amazing thing to have growing up as well, right? I mean, the example you said for your children, that's probably something, uh, a very unique way of changing the world too. So yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you for sharing all those. You're welcome. And stories. sorry if I got long-winded, you can always do it. Stop it. Um, no, but, <laughs> no we'll, I, we'll schedule a couple of new interviews with you. As, uh, I just have a quick question. So you said 10, 10, 10 was the initial goal when you started, right? 10 million, yes. 10 shoes, 10 years. Where where are we now from a numerical standpoint? How many shoes? Uh, oh my gosh! Twelve, thirteen years after you Angela, started. Angela, Angela's my numbers gal, and she knows that off the top of my head way better than I do. Um, we are just under eight million served. So we have to make a collective push to get this ten 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 out of the way. And honestly, yes, I think we all get a, a buy in twenty twenty. I think we can all count that <laughs> as not a full year for purposes of your goal. And let's make sure that we actually help you push to the 10 million mark. But that's uh thank you again, both of you. It's uh it's great. You're welcome. No, and I think um it's it's definitely something that as we've said before, how do we push to get everybody and you know the awareness of all of us being a global minded citizen um helps to accomplish that goal. Yep. So before Adrian asks about one aspect of your mission, uh, Angela, I want to bring you back into it because it's neat to kind of hear Tracy walk us through those journeys. But you see it, you know, day in and day out, right? The cultural element we'll touch on shortly, the mission, the service, and of course the business that just has to happen. Anything, you know, in, in terms of what you saw early on and how it it really met that need, which which you spoke to of, of, of needing to serve others. Anything, any element of Tracy's story that really resonates the most with you? Uh, I mean, there's so many pieces of it, you know, and for me, you know, one of one of my Eureka moments was my very first week with Samaritan's Feet. Um, we had a local um, shoe distribution going on at Movement School over off of Freedom Drive. And, you know, I remember being at that shoe distribution and, you know, at first, the volunteers would come and pick up the shoes after they found out the size, they'd go and take it to the kids. And so worked, you know, doing that for a little while. And then, you know, had the privilege of, you know, interacting with some of the kids. Um, you know, I was, you know, sitting in, in a circle with them while they were waiting to be called um, and then got to actually go and, and be present for, you know, some of the, the foot washing and them getting their new shoes. And there was a little girl, um, she was eight years old. And of course, I'm going to get choked up telling you the story. But it was <laughs> it was her very first pair of new shoes. And just seeing that pure joy, you know, just in being singled out and being loved on and, and you know, prayed for, you know, in that moment and having, you know, that connection. And, you know, of course, again, it was, you know, a weekend and, you know, you're drinking from a fire hose and, you know, it's you're trying to learn, learn all things. And in that moment... It was like, this is totally, totally where I'm supposed to be and was so completely hooked from that moment on, you know, and I've been to a couple of shoe distributions, you know, since, I mean, obviously being in the, in the day-to-day business, there's not a lot of extra time to, you know, to be on the front lines, but I went to Northern Kentucky with one of our distribution reps um, and did a couple of distributions with her and we had partnered with some of the Walmart employees. And there were some of the Walmart employees who, you know, they had driven down from Michigan just to participate in this particular shoe distribution because it was, a, you know, a set wow. event that they wanted to do. And so I was talking with several of, 
you know, of the people right before we were going to be doing the event. And some of the, the people, this was like their fourth or fifth year doing it, you know, it, hence why they would drive four hours and, you know, just to, just to this fate. And so we, you know, we were talking there, like, you know, they said every time that, you know, that we come here, it is so hard to, you know, not just, you know, lose yourself in, in that moment and just get so overly emotional about, you know, the needs and the fact that you are touching, you know, these kids' lives, you know, and I told them, I said, you know, becoming a mom, you know, obviously your skill at being overly emotional and crying at the drop of a hat goes way up. (laughs) But I told them that, you know, taking on this job and working with this organization, crying is definitely a resume worthy skill of mine at this point. (laughs) (laughs) well you know i I imagine well not imagine i know all eureka moments are not equal right you have some small ones you got big ones but i can only imagine i bet it was an epiphany and 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 kind of a life-altering moment not to be dramatic but but be accurate to see these kids you know excited to have what they really need and then get it in the moment. And, and it's probably a mixture of emotions, but I can, I can only imagine how powerful of a moment that was Angela. Yeah. And, you know, and just to the, you know, those reminders, um, you know, I mean, that, that was a distribution that we did that was five minutes away from our office. And, you know, we, we, we have a huge international focus, but we, you know, we have a, you know, an equally large focus, you know, here in the United States. And it's just those constant reminders that there is such an unbelievable level of need, you know, right here in Charlotte, you know, uh, in, in all, in all states. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the really cool things that, that uh, we've been able to do. And, you know, this is another Eureka moment, you know, in the face of COVID and everything that's gone on and all of the restrictions around having, you know, public events and, you know, being in contact, even being around people. And so we've, we've been able to, um, to pivot and just, you know, the, the Eureka moment for me is, you know, our team members and how they have absolutely, you know, they've, they banded together. They've kept their spirits up. They've kept each other's spirits up. They've been innovative, creative. They, you know, they've just done so many things to help us change our model. We have now added in a whole domestic missions um, uh, platform to, you know, to our whole domi- uh, our missions department. And so we we've done several domestic distributions where a team will go you know, for a couple of days in the, you know, in country and go to a different state and serve communities in need. We've done a lot of drive-through shoe distributions since we can't do the full-on, you know, contact with the feet washing. And, you know, we've instituted something called Hope Totes where the kids don't just get shoes now. They get their shoes, their socks, they get a string backpack, they get, you know, personal notes. They're called Hope Notes that we've had corporate partners partner with us to, you know, get their employees engaged in writing those notes. You know, there's notes that are specific to veterans, to homeless people, to children, Um, you know, just, we've done just a whole lot. And I guess I was just, you know, referencing that that, uh, you know, recognizing the strength of your staff is another Eureka moment for me. Love that. All right. So Adrian, where where are we going next? Angela, I know when we spoke uh, initially last year, when we had our first call, uh, it it became very clear to me that your missions to Cuba, very near and dear to your heart. And and could you just share why that is? And, and, uh, you know, the story of how you went down there and the impact that those missions had on you? 
Yeah, well, actually, um, I have not been on an international trip with Samaritan's Feet yet. Um, I was actually supposed to go on two in 2020. And, you know, again, not to beat a dead horse, but, you know, we, we all kind of had the little, that small little pandemic going on. Um, <laughs> but so one of my favorite videos that we that we show to our volunteers that come to the warehouse and we've, we've shown it um, a lot, you know, in the, the video, there's a narrative in there from one of our huge supporters. Um, she and her husband are just, you know, they, they've been pivotal in our organization, but she usually is our team leader for, for Cuba. And I have watched that video that we show the volunteers, uh, I don't know, probably 70 <laughs> times now. Whatever. And it yep. still chokes me up every single time. Um, it just, it's very powerful. Yeah, just so many, so many great stories. But yeah, Cuba, Cuba and Africa are are both really high on uh, on my list personally. Yeah, absolutely. Just just talking about your outreach, could you share with us where you where you currently ship to at the moment? What regions of the world, and and also what type of logistics challenges uh, that you have right now? Yeah, so we we ship to Africa. We we ship to Belize, Bahamas, Dominican Republic. Ghana is one of the, the countries in Africa. Uganda, help me out, Tracy. Where where else? I'm <laughs> Philippines, Honduras, yeah. Nicaragua. I'm trying to go off of my list that we just we just went through the other day. But let's just say it's probably less to say some continents that we don't ship. Let's just go with we haven't went to Antarctica, so that's one that we probably won't ship to at any time soon. But our international, and Angela alluded to it, we have a huge presence in a lot of the partnerships that we do international. And with that, not just our partnerships with, you know, the likes of other organizations here in the U.S. that also go <laughs> oh, overseas, go but our it. partners it's that time. are on the ground there, Drum roll, um, whether that be in Honduras or Nicaragua with some of the missionary work that are there, some other NGOs that are there that help us receive the containers and help with some of the, you know, logistical nightmares, as you guys all know, that can happen with, especially even escalated in this world of COVID right now, getting things properly to where they need to go. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, I'm, I'm enjoying working with Angela at the moment on a, on a, a shipment to, to Ghana and uh, trying to work with our agent there to get a, you know, a waiver of duty uh, exemption for you because, the, the just the duty component of that one container is about 65% of the total door to door cost, uh, yeah. which is huge. Um, yeah. So that's happening. That's happening right now. And so uh, we believe very, very strongly in that of uh, obviously issues come up and problems come up and challenges and roadblocks and international logistics. But uh, we, we believe in, in uh, working through those and trying to find a solution around them. Uh, rather wow. than just admitting, you know, sorry, that's just, you know, the cost and that's what it yeah. is. So exactly, exactly. And we appreciate that because there's, there's, you know, so many aspects from just from clearing agents to, you know, getting things even in Africa. And Angela mentioned a couple of different countries in Africa. And then just that internal aspect of, you know, from country to country or point A to point B in Africa and well there are might, there might be some logistical equipment and just uh, lack of resources and some of those small, you know, getting it from ocean to to truck to the people can be, you know, challenges that are not for the faint of heart, let's say it that no. way, and Absolutely. requires a little bit of ingenuity that might not look like what you always think. You know, we're not one, I'll say this, one of our um, our staff that has since retired, we have taken a shoes into 
Cuba, our first trip into Cuba on a sailboat out of Cameron when we were, because that's how we could get them in the most effectively and the cheapest. We have also seen our shoes on the backs of donkeys. So we're not opposed to some of those options. It's just, you know what, whatever we can streamline most effective, we're going to use, darn it. Right, right. Spoken like a true logistician. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, right? So Enrique, I know we're going to talk culture here in just a second. I want to point something out because I think with the vaccine, we've all referenced the pandemic numerous times. And of course, we've got that noble mission taking place of the vaccine distribution. But as consumers and as as non-supply chain practitioners are, are learning, which is a silver lining, right? All of this, part of the silver lining, these challenging times, is that nothing works just, just as it's planned. I mean, just here recently, uh, it'll probably be a couple of weeks in the, in the backdrop uh, as this public podcast publishes, you know, in the European, in European uh, AstraZeneca, they're expecting perhaps as much as a 60% drop in less of the vaccine shipments. And it's all because of the yield projected uh, versus actual is two thirds off. And those kind of, unfortunately, despite all of our advances as an industry, manufacturing and elsewhere, those things happen and, and nothing. And so Tracy, I, I think pointing out the catamaran and the donkeys and just or whatever it takes to get the product mm -hmm. to, to the people that either ordered it or need it. I mean, that, that's the, uh, that's the art and the craft of, of global supply chain that I admire so much. And I love how y'all have embraced that to make it happen and to serve the folks that you serve. So that's a beautiful thing. Thank you. All right. So Enrique moving from there to, and now we can let your moniker out of the bag. I think if you're, can I have your permission? Yeah, I don't want to, it's time. <laughs> so Adrian, what do we identify early on in the pre-show about Enrique? That he is Mr. Culture Nerd and that is going to be his hash hashtag. Uh, he lives and breathes it. That's uh, the type of culture is that we have at Vector Global is uh, comes comes from him and uh, it's it's filtered throughout the company. So I'll let him elaborate on that more. Uh, but it's something that we believe so strongly in. Awesome. Mr. Culture Nerd, uh, you have the baton, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, but uh, no, I, 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 love, I love my team, basically. That's just what everything else boils down to. And I think, uh, Angela, you mentioned it too, right? That was one of the main things that you said, and I can totally agree with you. And so uh, that's what it is for me. It's just, I, we have such a strong team at Vector that share our values that all want to go and help people and make a world a better place. And we're all leveraging logistics to do so, which is very exciting because there's so many opportunities out there and everything needs uh, transportation. So, so no, for me, it's all about the people. It's all about our team. And, and I agree with Angela and Angela mentioned it before I did. It's it's really kudos to my team and the people that I work with. And I'm so happy and proud that they let me be part of the team. So with that said, let's go back to our guests of honor. Angela, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the team, you mentioned being creative and innovative and, and you like your team. It sounds like you're very excited with the team that you guys have. And that's basically just a reflection of, uh, of the great culture that you probably have as well. So if you had to kind of in, give advice to people that are listening to us, like the top three things that you think make like a, like a good corporate or organizational culture for you, what, what would those three things be? Uh, and Tracy, I'll, uh, I'll ask you a similar question afterwards. So you have a little bit of time to, <laughs> to noodle on it, but what would those three things be that make you guys great and, and could make other organizations great? Well, first and foremost, you know, I think it's, it's approaching 
you know, everything that we do with the servant leader mentality. You know, we, we, we've talked about that, you know, that we want to portray that to the world and we want to portray that to the recipients of the shoes. But, you know, it starts with how we treat each other. It's, you know, it's really, it is making your, your fellow employees feel that they are heard. Um, it's helping them to feel appreciated, you know, and just, you know, constantly encouraging you know, that free thought and encouraging that collaboration for them to be able to be creative and come up with, you know, those great ideas that are going to, you know, make a, you know, move the needle for the organization. That would be, that would probably be the the three things, Um, you know, and you might be the culture nerd, but Tracy and I are the culture queens. (laughs) Yes, yes, you are. (laughs) And with that, let's move on to the other queen. (laughs) Tracy, when it comes when it comes to culture, you started the business with your with the organization, uh, with your with your husband and your family and friends, and it has grown to so much more than just that initial thought thought that you had. Why? What 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 are you doing right? What are you guys doing right? And and what can you share with others that are listening to you with similar passions and ideas, but haven't been able to probably grow it as as much as you guys have. Mm, that's such a good question. And I think it starts with reminding yourself that, you know, you got to remember that you don't do everything wrong because it's easy to look at, <laughs> at internally and, and from that leadership perspective, where you need to get to versus how far you've come sometimes. Um, so what Angela mentioned with servant leadership, I think certainly leadership, it starts and, and stops with leadership, as we all know on this call. I think for our team, we and you you mentioned it it's that family good and bad we we are team members but we also deeply care for each other and angela mentioned that it starts with our team we try and strive to do a really good job of letting people know that we care about where you're at because as you know professional and personal life balance is is a fallacy to some degree right you're carrying yourself home from work and you're carrying yourself from home into work and so helping to understand that it's it's that care and concern isn't just from a professional perspective. We we deeply care about our our team and when they hurt and how that hurts us and affects us. And and I I hope that um, to Angela's point that we just said that we try really hard to make sure people feel that from the inside out first. Because if you don't take care of of yourself first, you you're not good for anybody, right? And I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to plug my phone in in a minute. I think the other piece too is something that we've taken on is that's love, serve, and care. And that starts at home. And so that family feel, if, if anything that we've tried to carry through is, is those things. We need to model that first. We don't save our leftovers for everybody else. We give our best to our team. And out of that, they then have what they need to give their best out. That's wonderful. Excellent. No, that's yeah, incredible message to everyone that's listening to this podcast or watching us on uh, on the different can- channels. This is this is really powerful and very practical information too to how to create a good, reliable, and an outstanding culture like the one that you guys have. And, and thanks again to the uh, to the uh, culture queens, Angela <laughs> and Tracy. Thank Hashtag you. the culture queens. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, but you know that, that's gonna be your your nicknames that's, from now absolutely. on. Thank you. So Tracy and Angela, uh, we're going to wrap up here in a minute. Tracy, if you need to plug your phone in, go right ahead. Um, We'll we'll make sure you're covered. While we do though, that love, serve, care. I mean, there are so many quotable quotes and and Enrique and Adrian, you know, I've got 17 pages of notes on my end. There's so much (laughs) that Angela and Tracy have already shared that really 
you know, whether, whether you're a nonprofit leader, um, you know, looking for best practices and benchmarking and inspiration, or if you're on the, on the corporate side or entrepreneur, there, there's so much here in this conversation, I think that you can take act on and, and will, will inspire you. This cultural component, we just wrapped up this, the segment on, on culture, servant leadership, Angela, that is, a, it is it, it's on one hand, it's become like a, a, a cliche, but clearly as Angela has pointed out, and as evident is evident in their culture, it is very real mm-hmm. and it is it's acted upon and executed, you know, hour in or, or day in and day out. And, and it's not lip service, you know? So anyway, let's make sure our listeners know exactly how to, you know, jump into the fight and, and not only connect with the Samaritan's Feet team, but, but support and be part of this incredible, uh, noble mission. So y'all might have some of the same answers and some of the separate answers about someone ask both of you, but how can folks connect? Let's start with Angela. Angela, how can folks connect with you? And of course, learn more about Samaritan's Feet. Well, our website tells uh, an incredible story. There's lots of uh, videos. There's lots of information about you know who we are, how we got started, all the different platforms that we have available. There's you know information on our our missions, you know trips, domestic and international. You know there's shoe drive opportunities. There's different fundraising things. There's volunteering with us. There's volunteering at distribution. There's virtual volunteering. There's just the, the whole host of of information on the website, um, which is SamaritansFeet.org. 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 Outstanding. And Tracy, same question to you. Anything else you'd like to add to how folks can plug in maybe your greatest need, you know, uh, right now that we can maybe challenge our community with? What else would you add, Tracy? Yeah, I think our greatest need is just resources. And, I, I, you know, I don't think any nonprofit would say different right now. It's the resources and the partnerships and the collaboration with which to, as we've mentioned on the logistics front of just getting things to where they, to the people we need to serve. Whatever collaboration, whatever partnership we are, we are so encouraged and look for that to be that like-minded opportunity to help advance what we're doing as well as partners. And so we look, we look forward with anticipation to those continued efforts. Outstanding. What a um, a wonderful way to close out. You know, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. We'll be publishing this in, you know, 10, a, a couple of weeks here. But what a great way to, to, you know, cap off a very a challenging but successful week. Because if this doesn't, uh, Enrique and Adrian, if this doesn't get you ready to run through some brick walls, you better check your pulse, right? Absolutely. Yep. So now we are, so Adrian and Enrique, I want to, uh, in, in a moment, I want to pick your your favorite aspect of this conversation. And we're going to talk about Angela and Tracy as if they're not right here on the line with us. So, but first let's thank them for their time. Um, Tracy Ahomi, uh, executive vice president and co-founder with Samaritan's Feet and her colleague, Angela Carlson, executive director of finance and general manager also with Samaritan's Feet, samaritansfeet.org. Y'all jump in the fray. Thanks, Angela, Tracy. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. We really enjoyed it. Thank you. We'll be reconnecting soon. We'll see how, how the year treats uh, the great team there. All right. So don't go anywhere, though. Enrique and Adrian, I want to put both of y'all on the spot. One thing, Reader's Digest version of your favorite thing you heard from Angela and Tracy here today. And Enrique, let's start with you. I'm going to put you on the spot first. Why? You always start <laughs> with me. I thought you were going to go with Adrian this time. There's so many. Uh, I There's just so many things. And and I didn't write 17 pages, but I wrote a lot of pages uh, of notes. And again, it's been 
it's been fun and it's been exciting and it's been inspirational to hear both Angela and Tracy. And I was talking about all this so I could think about the one thing in the background, which is zero shoeless kids in the world. And I think Tracy mentioned that at some point at the beginning of the conversation. That's it. That's that's it. Zero shoeless kids in the world. That's That's a goal that we should all try to reach. I think it's realistic. Why not? It's uh, We're all in this together and we should all push really hard to to accomplish that. So I'll, I'll stay with that. Zero shoeless kids in the world. Love that, Enrique. Adrian. I just loved hearing the personal stories, uh, Tracy's personal personal story and, and how she met Manny and, and taking that leap of faith to, to uh, you know, really get out of their comfort, their comfort zone and, and, and make things happen and make a difference is really, really inspiring. And uh, Angela, forgive me, but I'm going to mention it. The fact that um, while you were talking about uh, the story about the young girl with the first uh, with the first pair of shoes, and your voice broke, and and that made a huge impact for me. The business side of it is 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 one thing, and that's hugely important. But I think the spirit and and the passion and the dedication that is still so evident in both of you is is just inspiring, and and it's wonderful to see. And it really made a huge impact on me today. So thank you for sharing. Well put, Adrian. I love that. And and I'll add uh, love, serve, care. Love that. Uh, and second, I think it was Angela up front, way back front part of the conversation, mentioned a general need for more kindness. And hey, I absolutely agree. We've got to find a way to create and build more bridges in these fractious times. So I, I really appreciate what y'all are doing in that regard abroad and right here under our nose, folks that, that need need the basics and, and, and bare essentials right around the corner uh, from us. So uh, thanks so much again to Angela and Tracy with Samaritan's Feet. Big thanks to Adrian Enrique and of course the Vector Global team for their partnership on logistics with purpose. I love how Tracy and Angela both spoke to that here today. Tons of purpose. To our audience members and our community, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. I'll tell you, it'd be easy to book on, book in a couple of additional hours and dive even deeper on this intriguing story. But hey, make sure you go check out SamaritansFeet.org. If you like conversations like this, be sure to check us out at SupplyChainNow.com. Of course, you can find us wherever you get your podcast from. Hey, on behalf of our t- entire team here, Scott Luton, wishing all of y'all nothing but the best. Hey, do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. Be like the team over at Samaritans Feet. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm.